Welcome to Game of Books with Kathy in South Dakota. That's me. And Christy in South Florida. That's me. We're two newbie writers sharing our take on wine, food, and mystery books. And the authors who write them. Join us for the fun. Hi, Christy and all of our mysterious foodies out there. I'm happy to report that I'm here and able to record today because we are in the middle of a South Dakota blizzard. Again. I was a little worried. <laughs> I was worried when I heard from you earlier. Yeah, with good reason. With good reason. But we are all functioning. We have internet and I'm ready for some wine. So tell me what you picked this week, Christy. All right. So I picked my under $20 bottle of wine that you found up there and I found down here is, drum roll, <laughs> Noble Vines the one black okay i think mm. that's how i should say it i mean it's it says it says the one but they refer to it as the one black so um it is a red wine and it is a blend and it is well take a sip and see if this okay. matches what you think um, it's full-bodied wine brimming with exuberant aromas of cassis, blueberry, and a hint of cedar. Firm tannins support rich, dark, concentrated flavors of ripe plum, blackberry, chocolate-covered cherry, and baking spice, leading to a long finish. So wow, that is quite a description. Mm -hmm. um, I think it is very, very nice. It is definitely mm -hmm. a bold wine. I mean, I think that mm -hmm. first drink is it's very bold. Right. But I felt so, I felt like a little pepper, like we were talking pepper last time when I on, yeah. on the first sip, you know. Um, yeah. I don't notice it as much on the second. Here, let me try another <laughs> sip so I can see if I can taste what I need to taste. It's just an excuse it, now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And it pair, I'll, I'll tell you, it pairs well with foods fit for a Viking feast. Oh such my. as I know, right? I would love to go to a Viking feast. <laughs> feast. I think you might okay. want to go to the Viking feast for different reasons than most people. Yeah. I think you just want to be adventurous. <laughs> That's me, full of adventure. That's you. <laughs> but they serve uh, grilled meats, roasts, and rich cheeses, which is mm. kind of close to you know our semi namesake Game of Thrones type meals. It sounds like so. Oh, this that's very be... very good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, I think paired with um, a meal, this would be delicious. I don't know that I would be able to just sip on it, you know, without mm -hmm. having something to balance it. Because it is a very full-bodied wine, but it's delicious. Right. Yes. And so as I'm sipping on it now without a meal, I'm still fine. It's great. Yeah, I know. It doesn't <laughs> seem to be stopping you on that end, I gotta no, say. No, 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 I'm fine. <laughs> But what they did was, I guess, um, Noble Vines, um, it, I thought this was really interesting. They they have on their website all the different vines that they have. I guess they cultivate them from, like, different vineyards around the world. And then they brought them to California. So they have, like, hmm. the history of each one, the history of their Merlot, the history of their Zinfandel, like it came from... Well, they have different places they come from, like uh, the Zinfandel is from California, the Bordeaux, Merlot is from Bordeaux, they have the Rhone Valley for the Syrah, and um, Petite Syrah is from France, so it's kind of interesting to see where the wines come from. So. That's really interesting. 
Yeah. And so that's the name then of the of the company is you know based on these different vines. Yeah, so they wine. have different all these different wines and then they take from all their different you know premium or whatever they say they might be premium the their different grapes and their mm-hmm. vines they put them all together um and make this blend but it's kind of like i don't know they kind of give you the history of each of the vines like it's like breeding stock or something i don't know <laughs> yeah well and it's agriculture yeah yeah <laughs> so anyway but it's good so i think it's delicious go. I like it. I'm, I'm going to enjoy it as we talk today. Okay, me too. So, Kathy, you've uh, been stuck inside with intermittent internet. Are you going um, to get all you need together for your trip down here next week? I am. I am happy to report that I actually did some packing last weekend. And upon my husband's encouragement, and he was... Um, he was right. <laughs> so I, I don't love the Good. last minute. Yeah, I don't love the last minute. So he's minute an organizer too, sounds he like. He is. He <laughs> is. And uh, yeah, we share that um, interest. Uh, so I did start packing last weekend, and you and I have kind of narrowed down our um, schedule a little bit. So I think that's going to help me. So I'll revisit it tomorrow. Um, it, it took me some time because I had to dig to the back of my closet to find warm mm-hmm. weather wear <laughs> because obviously I, I have two totally different wardrobes as anybody <laughs> in the Midwest does. And oh, so I had God. everything packed away. So I got to pull, pull it all out. Well, yeah, because it's warm here. <laughs> no blizzards going on down here. Yeah, it will be a lovely change. So it's like 28 below right now with a wind chill last time I looked, which was a couple hours ago. Um, and so I get to go to 80 degree yeah. weather. So, you know, it's like just 108 degrees temperature, yeah. uh, change. Culture shock. <laughs> so I'm super excited. Yeah. But Hey, I think we should tell all of our, um, uh, mysterious foodies about what we're planning while we're, while we're oh, together. Oh yeah. Well, we have a lot planned, but one of the most exciting things is that we're planning on interviewing some real life authors. And we're talking published, they have bestsellers, or they're award-winning, or both, you know. So we're, I'm, I'm really excited. I want to pick their brains. I want to, you know, drink some wine with them, <laughs> or some hot cocoa, mm-hmm. or whatever happens to be the case. That's As it just were. a little yes. tip yes. that, you know. Um, but yeah. yeah, I'm excited, aren't you? I am too. I am extremely excited, and I think both of these women, and we'll... I think save the names, don't you think, for the... Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. make them be yeah. surprises. Yeah. So, well, I, I did let the cat out of the bag. They're both women. But I, yeah. I'm very excited to talk to both these women because they're both very accomplished in different genres, which is really mm-hmm. exciting. Mm-hmm. And both, I mean, really well-received, well-published. They have deep mm-hmm. um, backlists. Uh, one of them has a very successful series um on amazon based upon her books so Mm -hmm. i mean i they just have such interesting um paths i just can't wait to talk to both of them it's gonna be really fun i know it's gonna be fun it is gonna be fun and so we've been fine-tuning the the format and so we're gonna kind of try to keep our keep the interviews kind of along the same lines as our podcast but so we hope everybody wants to listen because they're gonna be Answering some fun questions, I think, don't you? <laughs> I am I am really excited because we get to hear about who they are as people, obviously. 
mm-hmm. what kind of wine or beverages they enjoy, and you know about their writing careers and and what's going great and what's been a challenge. And I, you know, someone just reminded me a few days ago that uh, writing a book is one of those like top ten bucket list things for many many people. And so oh yeah, I. Yeah, I think we're going to have a lot of listeners that will want to hear about how they got started and how their career went a certain way. And I just, I think it's going to be really fun. Yeah. Yep. I'm looking forward to it. Yep. I am too. And so warm weather, authors, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. and I together finally again. Mm -hmm. We haven't been together since August. (laughs) Wine. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's been a long time. It has been a long time. We, I think we got kind of um spoiled because we were together last year mm-hmm. for Sleuth Fest and then Thriller Fest and then of course Writers Police Academy. All within mm-hmm. what, four months or something? Yeah. Three months. Yeah. So this is gonna be fun. I'm excited to see you and um right. be together in person to do some pod well and we'll also do some podcasts our yes. uh, our usual shtick, but we get to be in um in person looking at each other, which will be really fun. I know, that's gonna be so interesting. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. I'm very excited. So stay tuned, everybody. Okay, so I think, speaking of staying tuned, I'm, let's take some more wine. (laughs) And I'm dying to hear about the mystery and the food that you want to talk about from your mystery. Okay, so here we go. My book is Shoot First, and it's a Stone Barrington novel by Stuart Woods. Hmm. And so I have to tell you that it's the Stone Barrington novel number 45, if that gives you any indication. Oh my goodness. Yes. And this is going to even freak you out more. This book came out in April 2018. Okay. So less than a year ago, 10 months ago. Right. And since then, he's had three more books come out in that series, one in another series, and he has one scheduled to re- be released before April of this year. So four. So we're talking in a year. five. No, five. Five. He had my math three. Is off. Well, that's okay because you're not looking at it like <laughs> I am. <laughs> like I wrote it down, baby, and I counted it up. But <laughs> but it was like three, and then one, and then one more coming out before April. Oh my goodness. I know. I just, I can't imagine. I mean, there's a quote on his Facebook page that said, Stuart Woods is no nonsense, slam bang storyteller. And that was the Chicago mm. Tribune. Wow. And That's I got to tell you. a very nice compliment. Mm-hmm. I know. And it, and it's, and it really is true. He does not waste time. I'm telling you on any flowery descriptive language. And we rarely, we rarely have, you know, any kind of deep insight into what the characters are thinking or feeling. I mean, it's more like it's all told through dialogue and, okay. you know, action. And, um, and it, it really is a good tactic, tactic, I think, for keeping us guessing because we don't even know, the, you know, each character. What, could they be the bad guy? You know, we don't know because we don't hear what they're thinking. And um, even if they're a main character, in my mind, I mean, that's what I got out of it. I don't know if, if you've read all 45, maybe you've got a feel for it. You know who the bad guy is. <laughs> so, is it a, kind of a hard-boiled mystery or a thriller or what kind of genre? Yeah, there's, yeah, it's, it's a thriller. It's, um, you know, they go from one place to another, jet set around, you know, there's murders and mayhem and all kinds of crime. Um and, and like I said, it's, it's very straightforward with the facts, 
um, without going into all kinds of character development. And that made me wonder, I mean, I was like, well, you know, I think people either gravitate towards one or the other. I don't want to mm-hmm. say left or right because that's way too pit- political, but mm-hmm. but um, maybe some people really think more about the puzzle part and want to, you know, see who did it. And other people want to think, why did they do it, you know? Because there's yeah. two very extremes. And I think he's really far on the one side where it's, you know, the puzzle and... And you're going through each step and trying to figure it out. And I'm, you know, I don't know what, what do you prefer? Do you think? You know, I, I probably am more on the fast paced side than I am Mm -hmm. the drawn out description side. I do obviously Mm -hmm. like a happy medium and I like both ends quite, quite a bit. But I think as with my own writing, I tend to be... Um, more of the no nonsense, mm-hmm. more sh- more limited descriptions, more action, more dialogue. So right. as you're as you're describing these books, I'm thinking, oh, that's that's interesting. I I think I might be more on that side of things, but I've never really thought mm-hmm. about it that much. I guess. I know. Well, I mean, I, I, well, I do think um, I, you know I'm sort of middle of the road. I got to say, so mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to say. I mean, I started thinking that maybe gender played a role, you know, (laughs) because I don't want to perpetuate any stereotypes or anything, but um, we do know there are some differences between men and women, and people are Mm -hmm. always saying that women want to discuss and men want to solve. So I was thinking, well, maybe Mm -hmm. men like this fast pace, you know, but here we are saying we kind of like it too. So I don't know if that's the case, but... I think because I do write young adult, um, I think teens and young adults tend to want to hear more about what they're thinking. You know, they're more in their heads type thing. So then yeah. I'm forced to do that a little more when I write that them because, you know, they just... The facts are great, but they also want to hear, you know, oh, this person's annoying, this person, you know, that type of thing. So I think that plays a part, It makes me think about um, where we are as a culture, you know, getting immediate information so quickly, Mm -hmm. you know, that's our whole life. And Mm -hmm. so I do wonder if he has a draw um, to an audience that is used to that kind of like, let's get, let's get this solved. Let's, you know, get... Instead of the more drawn out descriptions and thoughtfulness. Right. That's, well, actually, yeah, that's I, I, I don't know, because, I mean, this mm. was, um, he was recommended to me by my mom and her husband. Okay. So, and they really, you know, and, and also the, the character is, I guess, he's more of like a James Bond type character, which I don't know that that yeah. appeals to the young people as much either, because he's, you know... He's this playboy that, um, you know, he's wealthy, he can fly planes, he can do all this stuff. It's kind of hmm. a little bit like Stuart Woods, honestly, the the author. I mean, he's... Oh, is he like this in person? Well, like, he's done a ton of stuff, you know, like he's... Ooh. Yeah, he, um, he started out like, he lived in Atlanta, New York, Germany, London, and Ireland, he was in the National Guard, 
And then he did all this kind of sailing, like he sailed by himself and and he, I guess, inherited some money. So he was able to, you know, do a lot of different stuff. And then he liked writing, you know, but obviously, <laughs> but um, he he wasn't published right away. He did all this this different stuff. And his first book was published. He had been working on it for like eight years before mm-hmm. it was published. And then, you know, obviously he just took off. And so now he's got bestsellers. But the first one was Chiefs. And it was um, made into, I think, a series back. Mm. Yeah, a CBS TV starring Charlton Heston. Oh. And Danny Glover. Yeah, it was back, yeah. you know, in the 70s. And and so that really made a name for him. He won a lot of awards from that book and stuff. And then, so he has many different series. So, you know, you think this is number 45 of this series, and this is still not the last one, obviously, but they have a checklist that's three columns long that you can print out and check off all the books that he's written. Wow. I know. It's, well, it's I, amazing I to me. Now. Yeah, that is I amazing. Know. I mean, that's, that kind of... Um capacity is amazing to me yeah. i mean I, yeah. even if you were writing full-time you didn't have another job or maybe your kids mm-hmm. were grown or you know mm-hmm. maybe you were able to get rid of a lot of the obstacles a lot of writers face to to sit mm-hmm. down and pump out that kind of um, word count that it would take to produce four or five books a year is amazing to me I know, I just can't imagine. But um, anyway, so um, I need to get on to the food. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. It, the Stone Barrington novels were always being said, they would like open at this restaurant, Elaine's in New York. Hmm. So he would go to that and he would always have Knob Creek, which is his favorite bourbon. So in this book, he had the Knob Creek, um, but Elaine's closed in like 2011. So now this time they went to... Um, another upscale New York City restaurant called Patroon. Okay. I mean, the book is set all over, though. They, they're they in Key West. They're in New York. They're in London. You know, they just, he flies his own plane. They're, it's really, it's really James Bondish. <laughs> and they do drink wine and, you know, eat really well. But they don't really, he, you know, he's no nonsense. We're not going into it too much. But mm-hmm. there was one scene where a character ordered Opus 1 as their wine oh interesting yeah. and let's just say it's out of our price range <laughs> it's not under our 20 dollar budget no no it's 500 dollars at total what? wine so yeah so i was like okay we can't wow. get that so that's why i picked a red blend with the the word one <laughs> in the title is so i was like as close as i can get yes <laughs> and so the scene is they go, the waiter asks if he can decant it for him. And this character had no idea what that meant because he was one of the bad guys. And he also was like real new money. So he what, didn't have the class of Stone Barrington, obviously. So the waiter explained that it was a $20, 20-year-old. 20 <laughs> Look at me, wishful thinking. $20. 20-year-old. <laughs> And um, and likely to have sediment on the bottom, so he he agrees to he agrees to get it decanted. So then, um, when he does that, I'm reading this, and I, you know I'm a classy chick, you know, so I'm thinking I know you are a classy chick, <laughs> yeah. So I know how to decant a, a bottle of wine. Well, let me tell you. I didn't really understand this and actually had to look it up, but I'm going to read to you the little 
excerpt, and it was like, the head waiter returned with a bottle of wine in a basket, a candle, and a corkscrew. He uncorked the wine, sniffed the cork, and handed it to Gino, that's the loser, and he aped him. (laughs) (laughs) And then the head waiter held the bottle with the candle under it and carefully poured the wine into a decanter. There, he said, and poured some for Gino to taste. Gino tasted it and said, yeah, okay. So, have you ever heard of them pouring with a candle? No, I have not. But yes, I've never I know. Ordered, I, I have never ordered a $500 bottle of wine. Yeah. I've never either, been with anybody but... who's done that. <laughs> and honestly, even if I was with somebody who was ordering a $500 bottle, bottle of wine, I'd be like, wait, please don't. Because I can't even enjoy it. Like, that's just silly. Oh, no, but they had billions <laughs> of dollars. That was part of the story. So, they were, yes, you know, they'd sold Just some... think if you bought a $40 bottle of wine... And took that mm-hmm. other $460 and did something good with it. Just saying. I know. Honestly, I agree I mean, with seriously. you. I am a very frugal type person like that. So you're mm-hmm. right. I probably never would. But he did. And But then I had to look it up. I'm <laughs> like, did. what does this candle have to do with it? Yeah, what's and the candle? So what it means is you can use a candle, which is obviously dramatic, or you can use any kind of light. And um, oh. what you do is you pour the bottle with the candle or the light near the neck and you pour it carefully into the container you're decanting it to so like a glass container Mm -hmm. and you pour it and when you get halfway you even slow down slower and so that when you start to see any kind of sediment any kind of like cloudiness from the candlelight at the neck that's when you stop so you don't get the sediment okay i know I, I mean, so. I, I, I kind of get that. I We had opened a not $500 bottle of wine recently. And mm-hmm. the sediment was so bad that it kind of ruined it. And it was yeah. a decent bottle of wine. I mean, my... Yeah, so you definitely want to decant anything yeah. that's, you know. And so the way to do it is set it standing up and let it stand for 24 hours so that the sediment lowers and then um and then when you decant it just do it carefully open it carefully you know so that you don't disturb the sediment and then you can get it but anyway so that was my interesting tip for today okay i i have to ask a question quick before we move on if you don't mind okay do you normally decant a bottle of wine i mean do you pour it into another vessel to enjoy it? Not or normally. Not do you normally, do that no. ever? Um, well, for instance, say you want to take a bottle of wine down to the pool. Yes. And they don't allow glass. So ah. you have a plastic decanter you can put it into. So that's real classy. See, that is. But, I am yeah. super excited to come because I, I'm like, what? We can't bring wine to the pool? Why am I leaving South Dakota? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Yeah. I got I got a good plastic decanter that I got at a thank goodness co- outdoor concert. So yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm you know I see these lovely beautiful decanters in home mm-hmm. you know like in Crate and Barrel or something like that, mm-hmm. and I think oh you know am I the person who would have a bottle of wine? I mean a decent bottle decanted for when I have company mm-hmm. over, and I was like so far not. I mean I I'm open. I love yeah. serving dishes and serving utensils and. But so far, I just served the bottle 
of wine from the bottle of wine. Just well, they it. say that it might help aerating it, but other people say, nah, just putting it in the glass will aerate it well enough. You know, you open it. So basically the only time you really, really need to decant is when you have something that's older and has sent sediment in it. So Okay. Well, good. I learned a lot today. Thank you. Okay, good. All right, so that was it for um, for my book uh, by Stuart Woods, and now it's your turn. Okay, so so interestingly, there's a couple similarities from your Stuart Woods books with my book. You mentioned Mm -hmm. that there's some bourbon being drank. He visited Mm -hmm. Ireland. I'm giving hints. My book is the author is Alexia Gordon. She is. She's. Yes, you've seen her name because From Sleuthfest. She is coming yeah. Sleuthfest next month. So she mm-hmm. is the author of the uh, Gethsemane Brown Mystery Series. It's a cozy mystery. Um, and I am talking today about her first one, which is Murder in G Major. They're all music related uh, in titles. Oh, that's so, cool. That's so she a has four. Tricky. Yeah. yeah. So she has. I believe three out and the fourth is coming out maybe. So there's four in mm-hmm. the series. And mm-hmm. um, what's interesting is it's a paranormal mystery series um, that takes place in Ireland. And Oh, so this ma- is the ghost one we were talking about. This is the ghost back. one. Okay. <laughs> yes, I teased it and then I decided to wait. So, and then on top of it, the main character is a classically trained musician. And so okay. there's all these really interesting worlds that, mm-hmm. you know, being in Ireland and the paranormal mm-hmm. mystery and the music, which is, so it's a really attractive read because there's a lot um, yeah. of really fun elements I mean, I to love it. music. I love Ireland. Yes. This is a good destination read. It is <laughs> a good destination <laughs> read. It is. It is. And so, and I would love to talk to um, the author, Alexia Gordon, because she is we might um, be doing that at sleep i Fest. would love to because i she sounds absolutely fascinating to me um she mm-hmm. is a, a family physician so she has and she said she put her writing aside while she was in medical school and her residency and now oh she goodness. is a yes yeah, so she is a physician in chicago i believe and wow is doing this on the side and i thought that is such an inspiration to me to have that kind of demanding career Right. Um, and right. do this also. So, and is she an accomplished musician, do you know? Or we you know, might have to find that out. <laughs> yeah, I, I I, didn't read anything. She's, it says she enjoys the symphony. You know, that she enjoys mm-hmm. um, going to um, appreciate music. And um, it sounds mm-hmm. like, you know, more of the classically um, performed, um, like, symphonies. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know for sure. I mean, I didn't, it didn't say anything on there that she was trained or maybe stepped out of her training. So I'm not sure, but I would love to find out because her, she clearly has a very good knowledge of this world, mm-hmm. you know, of symphonies. Does and, she live you know, in Chicago, orchestras. did you say? I believe that's what it said. Yeah. It sounds like she's oh, lived cool. kind of So that's a Midwest connection too. Yeah. 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 So I'm very much looking forward to um, meeting her and, um, mm-hmm hearing whatever panels she's on. It's a really okay. interesting, interesting read. I mean, it's, I, I have to admit, I can't think of another ghost-centered or paranormal-centered cozy that I have read. I don't think I've read 
one. I would say that is unusual. I mean, I I would think that, you know, the cozies seem like they're just so, like, realistic. Although, I think there are sometimes, like, talking animals in them. Like cats and things that talk. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So, I think, so, for sure. And I think that's the world of cozies that allows <laughs> okay. you to do that. So, okay. So, I just think she sounds really interesting. And I'm really looking forward to Great. meeting her at Sleuthfest. Great. And I'm hoping Good. that we can do an author interview with her. I think I'm going to reach out to her yes. and ask. Because... Fingers crossed. I know. Yeah. Let's do it. So, okay. So her main character mm-hmm. is at a particularly um, low point in her life and career. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to laugh, but um, she is stuck <laughs> in Ireland. Okay. A job mm-hmm. has fallen through. She went to Ireland. She gave up everything in the U.S. to go to Ireland um, to... Uh, be an assistant conductor with a Cork Philharmonic. Um, And she gets there and the music director's mistress ends up getting the job. (laughs) So now she's... Oh my gosh, that's awful. Maybe she should kill her. (laughs) Maybe she should, but that's the next book maybe. I don't know. (laughs) So here's how she opens maybe the third paragraph. It says, One more disaster in a string of disasters. Stolen luggage, stolen money... And a stolen career. And I was like, oh, that's so sad. So she's down and out. So this Mm -hmm. character is down and out. I mean, she's, she can't, she just feels like she can't go home again. And she writes a lot about this. How she just, you know, she go back to the U.S., but she just can't bring herself to do that. And so she um, ends up uh, (laughs) uh, teaching at a a boys school. Like teaching like high school or middle school orchestra. (laughs) I mean, that's quite a step down from the Philharmonic, Right. right? And mm-hmm. um, the um, locals are willing to put her up in this um, kind of deserted house, as it were. Ooh, and it happens to be okay. the home of a, a famous conductor that she really always admired. Um, mm-hmm. The unfortunate part is the conductor is dead. Um, and he has killed his family. And he's still mm-hmm. haunting the house. <laughs> so okay. I really... I really thought, oh, that just makes everything so much worse. Like, I know. You know, it's talk about being down and out. So anyway, right. It's a really great comeback story. I mean, she has to solve the mystery of his wife's murder um, to mm-hmm. basically exonerate him. But really, it's a down and out story and a comeback story. And it made me think about why we love comeback stories so much. I mean, so many. Um, Pieces of fiction are based on comeback stories. You know, like, yeah. oh, so-and-so's down on their luck, and they got to do this and that to get to the other side. So I was wondering what you well, thought what is that. what is living without hope? I mean, it's not a good thing. So Mm-mm. you're always hoping that things will turn up. In fact, when you were telling me this, I was like, this sounds like the beginning of a really good romance, too. Like, <laughs> Right, it could be. Everything's down and out, and then all of a sudden, you know... She mm-hmm. finds love in a strange place or something. Like but, Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's strange. But, you know, I, I share well. that on our, <laughs> our uh, Valentine's Day, um, I mean, I'm sorry, our Monday question post on our blog. My quote mm-hmm. was, um, love's like a virus. You never know when, one's, when it's going to pop up. <laughs> I thought that was so that's funny. That's so funny. I know. Yeah. So. That would, that's a mystery writer's take on, on love, right? <laughs> yeah, like that. Oh, Let's equate it to something really deadly and make it good. <laughs> yeah, so it is, but the, is so many stories start this way, right? Like where the protagonist is 
Things are mm-hmm. not going well. But I just thought that is so what our lives are like. I mean, nobody has this right. just continuum of things are always great because that's completely unrealistic. Right. So I think that's why uh, writers use that and people are attracted to Mm -hmm. it because they can identify with their own lives. Yeah. Even if it's not this extreme. This is a little extreme. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so (laughs) on to the food. On to the food. I got two pieces of food for you this week. Okay, one's not food. One is bourbon. (laughs) Oh, So you had mentioned bourbon in your book from Stuart Yeah, Knob Creek or whatever it was. Yes. Well, this protagonist and her ghost enjoy themselves some bourbon. It's in... Oh, really? Um, <laughs> yes. And as a matter of fact, once she gets past the fact that this ghost is in the house, there's a scene where um, he actually uh, pours her bourbon like from a ghostly presence. He says, um, allow me. And then the ghost waves a finger at the bar cart. The bottle of bourbon. It's a made-up bourbon, I believe floats mm-hmm. to the main character and he pours her no way bottle. yes without even appearing and then he waves <laughs> his finger again and the bottle goes back to its original position and i thought i could use that in my life like i really could use that <laughs> not bourbon but... oh my gosh that's what we have to have we have to have I... a ghost to pour us our wine while I we're know. doing our podcast <laughs> so my question to you is are you a bourbon drinker have you do you enjoy bourbon? i I, you know, I've tasted bourbons before. Like, you know, I know people that have a bunch of different, my sister's husband really is into it. So she kind of tried to give me a tutorial. I don't know if it's bourbon or whiskey. See, there you go. Um, well, so I so, think they're different. Yeah, they are different. And, and the bourbon in this book is a single barrel bourbon, which mm-hmm. um, is a higher grade of whiskey. And it comes mm-hmm. from an individual aging barrel. So normally distilleries, bourbon distilleries or whiskey distilleries, mm-hmm. they'll blend whiskeys from multiple barrels and multiple years to kind of get the color and the flavor that they want. But mm-hmm. what this um, author is talking about, and by the way, it, um, her bio, Alexia Gordon's bio, so she enjoys a little bourbon. So she must know what she's talking oh, about. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ooh. But, we'll have bourbon at our podcast with her when we okay. interview her. We I'm, do I'm that. down. <laughs> but, um, so each each barrel of bourbon in a, in a um, single barrel bourbon is bottled separately, mm-hmm. dated, and numbered like with the barrel that it came from. So basically, instead oh, of wow. mixing it, it really is a very um, a Elite. little more of a highfalutin process, apparently. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that was interesting. I am not. I have never been. Yeah, I I can drink it. the The only times that I really enjoy it is when it's really really cold, and then I'm like, oh. okay, this is gonna heat me up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it does. It heats you up, but yeah, it's not very cold down here, so I don't normally <laughs> I say, have myself. <laughs> when you said that, I thought maybe I should be drinking bourbon tonight. I mean, my goodness. I know. Yeah, yeah there you go. You know, <laughs> okay. sit in front of the fire with your yes. bourbon swirling in your little glass. Oh, yeah. Sounds very <laughs> picturesque. Okay, yep. so my next piece of the puzzle on the food front d- oh, okay. deals with the um, writer herself. She okay. does talk about she was raised in the southeast, schooled in the northeast, lives in the west. So she's lived in a lot of places. And then she says, mm-hmm. this is Alexia Gordon, she admits that Texas brisket is as good as Carolina pulled pork. And I thought, oh, I have to ask Christy That's about That's just not true. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you have an opinion about this. Talk to me about 
Really North Carolina barbecue is barbecue. really, really good. I think Texas brisket is good, but it's dry uh, to me. No, uh, I'll take that back because I don't want anybody from Texas getting mad at me. You can make it. I've I've made brisket pretty darn good, and um, you know, depends on how it's made. But to me, I don't know. Carolina barbecue is just maybe it's reminiscent of high school cafeteria food. I don't know. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I went to high school in North Carolina, and I tell you what, we would have barbecue sometimes for lunch. It was good. I bet it was, it was good even in the yeah, but um, I do I do like I do like barbecue pork probably better than brisket because I don't know I don't think you have to put as much sweet barbecue on on Carolina you know barbecue. Do they prepare anyway. it differently? I mean, is it a different way of preparing? Yeah, and it's a different cut of meat because Carolina yeah. barbecue is pork, you know. Oh, like they don't. There's it's only pork in Carolina. Yeah, it's pork. Yeah, and, and so okay, interesting. Well, she sounds like she's able it. to enjoy both, Christy. It sounds like you probably are. Well, not. maybe we should go check them too. See, destination for food too. I'm we have willing. So many things to do. I know. We're just going to have to take a whole year just to go around and try all these different things. Well, now I'm very excited to talk to Alexia about this because I... Yeah. Me too. We can have a little debate. Maybe she'll turn me over to, you know... That would be fun. Okay. So, I just don't know how to do it. So, you know. That's it. That's Alexia Gordon's Murder in G Major. It's a very fun, entertaining read. It, It really takes you out of your current situation and, and puts you in a different world which is exactly what writing supposed to do right okay there you go so yes so i gotta tell you it's time for the writer's perspective <laughs> favorite oh, I know. so kathy your writerly discussion this week what's it gonna be okay here's the deal i this is this is from two different places mm-hmm. i am finish my revision before I come see you. The revision will be done. And then I'm going to start cleaning and proofing and editing. And that, so I meant mm-hmm. that really it's the, the, I, I use word and my mm-hmm. document is lengthy and it's clunky and I'm doing word searches and find, and mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. the best system. I I'm sure mm-hmm. it's not. I've heard of Scrivener many, many times before and I've been mm-hmm. tempted but as you know, I don't love new technology. It makes me right. a little bit stressed. I get yes. impatient. Okay. Mm-hmm. But recently, mm-hmm. I follow an author that we have discussed here. I've discussed her on my blog. Her name is J.T. Ellison. She writes thrillers. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I follow her on Instagram. And she had recently, um, not posted, but put it in her Insta stories. Um, uh-huh. A screen, a screenshot of her work in progress, kind of, um, I guess, literally her progress from her work in progress um, mm-hmm. for that day. And, and it said, you know, project. And it had the new name of her new novel, which is Good Girls Lie. And it told mm-hmm. she was at 72,000 something of 90,000 word goal. And then mm-hmm. on the bottom, it said session target. And so she had set a target goal for that day's writing of 600 and, 1,600 words, I believe mm-hmm. it was. But she'd achieved, mm-hmm. you know, 3,200. 
And I thought, mm-hmm. oh, you know me, I like organization and I like productivity I know, this stuff. sounds like right up your alley. I, I mean, was like, honestly. oh. So I actually contacted her on uh, her Insta stories and I was like, what software are you using to do this? And she said, mm-hmm. of course, Scrivener. And I was like, oh. oh. So I got re-tempted. And so I'm wondering, have you ever used anything other than Word for your writing? No. I no. have not. <laughs> Have you I can just say that. I mean, yeah. um, well, I've heard of Scrivener and I kind of done a little research um, and I don't know, but your whole thing where you're saying, you know, the new technology, mm-hmm. I kind of feel the same way, only I, I know words so well and, and I am like kind of, you know, into learning computer software and the best way to do things and that kind of thing over the years. So I feel like I take advantage of what I can from Word and I'm a little bit, I know Scrivener is supposed to be quicker in your writing, you know, take off time, but I wonder if... You know I what know, I mean? but like, I'm like, I have to learn it first, yes. and then I'm like going, but why, and plus, you know what, I'm not as much like you as far as organization, and mm-hmm. so some of the things that Scrivener has uh, really good is like, you can make index cards on your screen, and you can, and to me, I get to a point where I want to use index cards, but I just assume quickly write them in different colors and set them out because I'm also very hands-on. I like to have papers in my hands and that's just how I am. So I thought, I don't know, but I will let you try it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so I agree with you that I, 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 the benefits of it with all the, you know, the organizational pieces and all the planning I do all that on paper, and I like paper. Like, I still mm-hmm. will print out a mm-hmm. chapter when I'm revising it. I mean, I really like Right. Um, but I just found this to be so cool that you could say, okay, here's what I what my goal mm-hmm. is today. But I also right. do that right now on an Excel spreadsheet, too. I mean, I, right. I, I do a daily... Well, so you're doing it on the computer, so that might be an easy transition for you to have it all in one place, Yeah. whereas I don't. I don't make a spreadsheet to tell me, you know, I might write down a goal, um, and also, I feel like everybody uses Word, so it's easier to work with other people, but I am interested to see if... People are more gravitating towards Scrivener because that means that technology is going to change. Just like my kids have Samsung instead of iPhones now. So maybe I yeah. need to be more on the cutting edge and start learning Scrivener. I don't know. I'm, I'm interested about that, though. I wonder what other writers do. Yeah, I would. Know? I really we should. Um, hey, writer friends, go on our yes. Facebook, go on our Facebook page and, and make comments because I would love to hear back. From yes. people who have made the transition or mm-hmm. tried the transition and then backed away. Because I do think that at this point in my novel that mm-hmm. it's clunky. I mean, it's a lot to get through, I think. I mean, you know, trying to find mm-hmm. any one thing. It just takes it right. takes some time. I mean, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, if you could get to that place where it was an easier 
task. I mean, I still yeah, save I get, my I whole get that. thing. Yeah, yeah. I save the whole thing as one document. You know, I don't save each indi- mm-hmm. chapter individually. Maybe I should be doing that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. There are probably ways to do that in Word, like not maybe save it separately, but, you know, um, assign segments because I kind of do use, you know, where I can scroll through um, to the different pages and stuff. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. I don't so, know. Interesting. It's a fun topic. But to we would about. like to know. So people let yes. us know. Yes. You can go, you can go on Twitter too, not just Facebook. You can go on Twitter and give us some. Um, your feedback on uh, at GOB writers and let us know what you think we should do. Should we switch or not or try yeah. or not? I would love some yeah. advice on this. I really would. Cause it's a daunting task to me, but if it's worth it, I'm totally down with it. Ugh. I agree. So I agree. let's hear from people. Good topic. Much, yeah. much braver than I am. Yep. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, so we've got a couple books we can add to our shelf, and mm-hmm. and what do you think about the wine? Add it to the I rack. I like this wine. Yes, I, I think too. so. I think so too. Yeah, yeah. It was and it was um, it was a little bit pricier, maybe. How like much was it down there? Or something. I think oh it was my. like around fifteen or something. Was it cheaper there? Twelve ninety nine. Mm. <laughs> All right. Yep. Okay, everybody, that's all for this episode of Game of Books, where we share food, wine, and mystery. If you liked listening, and we really hope you did, please be sure to subscribe to us so we can you can get your food, wine, and mystery tips every Friday morning, just in time for the weekend. Yes, and talk to us on Twitter or Facebook at GOB Writers, and you know, let us know your Scrivener versus Word information and. Um, Hope you enjoyed it. This is Christy and Kathy saying thanks for listening. Bye, Bye everybody. everybody.